Welcome to Whores Talk Horror. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hello, welcome to Whores Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. I'm Melinda. So normally we don't do entire episodes devoted to one movie or do deep dives into movies that give everything away. But we decided to do an entire episode on the movie The Hunt because it's fun, it's totally appropriate for our current times, and it's just kind of badass. So this is actually one of my favorite horror movies that I've seen in uh, pretty recent years, and it really took me by surprise. Um, I don't think I've had so much fun watching a horror movie since I saw Ready or Not. Mindy, what do you think? Oh my God. I I also loved Ready or Not, as you know, and I would agree completely. So Mindy and I wanted to talk about the movie in depth to each other. So we figured why not just record our conversation and talk about it on the podcast. So here is your spoiler alert now. If you have not seen The Hunt, we will be spoiling the fuck out of it. So go watch it and then listen to this episode later if you don't want the entire movie ruined for you. Absolutely. Uh, For the most part, I went into this movie completely cold and I highly recommend that approach for viewing. But Sharon and I are going to dive in and geek out. So for real, if you haven't seen The Hunt, well, you obviously need to fix that. So stop what you're doing. Turn this podcast off and go watch the movie. Trust me, you'll thank us. Okay, let's dig in. Uh, There's thunder. Also, I was going to say, also, it just started thunderstorming, so you might hear some badass thunder and lightning in the background, which is kind of cool, because I don't think we've ever recorded during a thunderstorm before, so. I have the windows open, too, so this should be interesting. Yeah, you might want to close those. All right, so, Mindy, let's dig in. Uh, Tell us about the plot of the movie. Okay, so this is straight from IMDb. Twelve strangers wake up in a clearing. They don't know where they are or how they got there. They don't know they've been chosen for a very specific purpose. That is an extremely basic yet accurate summation of the overall plot. Don't worry, we'll get into the rest shortly. Uh, Cast and crew. This was written by Damon Lindelof and Nick Cuse. Lindelof is, of course, one of the writers and creators of Lost, The Leftovers, and Watchmen. Uh, On a personal note, he's also my imaginary nemesis. Uh, Lindelof's come a long way, but I still giggle when I see his name and think, you worked on the Lost finale and it sucked. I also have a love-hate relationship with some of his work. Plus, I'm stupid jealous the fucker moderated the Twin Peaks Comic-Con panel, so I, I digress. Uh, he is a huge fan of David Lynch and Twin Peaks, though. So I know you, you got to give him you got to give him that. And he's probably lovely in real life. But it's this imaginary sort of joke that I have with myself. You can't get over the finale of Lost. <laughs> well, and it's sort of like every time I watch something that I really like, it turns out that he's involved somehow. So it's sort of like on Seinfeld with Newman. I'm always like Lindelof. <laughs> <laughs> and that I didn't know he wrote this either. So when the credits started rolling, that w- I literally went, "Damn it, Lindelof!" Like it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know he did this either until the end credits. Hughes is also one of the writers of The Leftovers and Watchmen, directed by Craig Zobel. All three of them worked on The Leftovers together, actually, which I've still never seen. And yes, Sharon, I know it's on the list. I plan to get to it. Don't worry. Honestly, I wouldn't worry about it. It's not, I like The Leftovers, but it's not something that I 
would uh, put at the top of my list. Okay, good to know. All right, who's in this? Who's in this movie, Sharon? So the main star of the film, Betty Gilpin. She's from Glow, Nurse Jackie. Um, she's my girl crush. Love her. Hillary Swank is in this. Y'all know Hil- Hillary Swank. Uh, Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny. Um, I literally yelled Dennis when I saw him because <laughs> he was in the very first scene because I totally forgot that he was in this and I <laughs> fucking love him. Um, we have Amy Madigan, who also Woo! I was like, I was like, how do I know her? How do I know her? I was like, oh, Spencer, that's the mom from Field of Dreams. <laughs> just like random. Like, that's like the one thing I know her from. Oh, my but she's God. She's been in a million movies and TV shows. She has. I adore her. More on that later. Keep going. <laughs> um, Ike Barinholtz from the Mindy, the Mindy Project, which I've never seen. Uh, not you, Mindy. I know. Not your project. <laughs> um, also, Suicide Squad, which I also have not seen. Ethan Supley or Supley, uh, he plays Randy from My Name Is Earl, which that show's awesome. Yeah, and I miss it. Um, and then Emma Roberts is in it briefly, <laughs> as we will get to later. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is uh, produced by Blumhouse Productions, which was founded by Jason Blum. Uh, Blumhouse Productions, in case there's anyone listening who doesn't know, is responsible for the Paranormal Activity and Insidious franchises. Uh, They also produced Sinister, Hush, Happy Death Day, Halloween, Get Out, and many, many other great horror and non-horror movies like Black Klansman and Whiplash. And we should say the most recent Halloween movie, not right. the original. And I don't know if you saw the news, but did you hear that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is going to direct a movie for Blumhouse in the at some near future time? Oh, interesting. No. I did not hear that. Yeah, I don't know if it's horror or not, but I'm uh, curious. If it's mm. Blumhouse, I'm guessing it's horror, but holy shit, that's awesome. And also because it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Curtis. Jamie Lee Cur- <laughs> Curtis. I've, I've heard she is very courteous. I heard though. she is very courteous, too. But she's kind of like the scream queen, so I would expect it to be horror. Yeah, totally. So let's get to some of the controversy over this film. Originally, The Hunt was supposed to be released in theaters on September 27th, 2019. But in the wake of the Dayton and El Paso mass shootings that took place on August 3rd and 4th, which killed a total of 31 people, Plus other mounting controversy surrounding the film, Universal and Blumhouse both decided that it would probably be best to pull the film from being released. It was supposed to be released in theaters again on March 13th, but because of the pandemic, it obviously was not released and just went to VOD instead. Um, I promise you this will not be a political discussion between Mindy and I. I just want to give you a little heads up because we are going to get into some of the political controversy surrounding the film, but we just want to talk about it because I think it's important to read about some of the controversy because it's important to know that while discussing the film. Uh, But we're not going to go off on any political tangents though, right Mindy? Sure. Right, Mindy? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I will do my best. Okay. I think she's got her fingers crossed. Okay. I want to ta- talk about the movie. I don't want to talk about politics, so. Yes, and I just don't want people to hear us start, you know, saying things like Trump or deplorables or conservatives or whatever and, like, turn the episode off because 
we try to refrain from doing that on this show. But because they are involved in some of the um, the controversy, we do have to discuss those things, but not in a ton of detail. Right. And I think that any political commentary in the movie is well balanced in terms of like Republican versus Democrat or whatever. So we're going to we're going to follow suit and we're not going to single anybody out or at least we're going to try. Um, some of the controversy of the film is that it unfairly portrays Trump supporters and people have called the film dangerous. According to an interview with Variety, producer Jason Blum and co-writer Damon Lindelof, he's probably a lovely person. Newman. <laughs> uh, they both argued that the film had been mischaracterized. Lindelof said, as more and more people start to see it, we've gained confidence in the fact that this is not a dangerous movie. This is not a provocative movie. This is not a divisive movie. I think the big shift between now and then is that more people have seen it and they've responded positively. He goes on to say, it was all about balance. And we felt that the movie was actually pretty balanced in terms of the shots that it took. I would agree with that. Uh, that's probably what got misreported. The movie that was being presented was slanted and we didn't perceive it that way. In the same interview, uh, Blom said, both of us were very eager for people to see the movie and realize that the movie is 100% satire and pokes fun at both sides equally. We wanted to see that represented in what people were writing about. But again, they couldn't because no one had seen it. It was the most talked about movie that no one has ever seen. So here's a quote from Kieran Fisher from filmschoolrejects.com. In today's politically charged climate, a movie inciting outrage before it's even released isn't uncommon. As soon as people, on the left or the right, assume that a film is going to offend their sensibilities, they'll grab their pitchforks and shout at the top of their voices. Usually, the controversy is blown out of proportion and the movies in question don't warrant the anger. It's rare for a movie to cause so much of a ruckus across the political spectrum that even the president of the United States throws a hissy fit on Twitter. But that's what makes The Hunt such an interesting release, even if the controversy was overblown from the get-go. So I did want to add that quote in here because I do think that this movie might be polarizing to a lot of people who haven't seen it yet but have heard about the controversy and they decided that they're just not going to watch this movie because it leans either too far to the left or the right. And like the writer said, the controversy for this movie was definitely blown way out of proportion, at least in my opinion. I don't know. And you, I think, said something similar Mindy that you thought it was kind of yeah oh my god yeah I was actually just thinking um I feel like there had to have been aside from Joker I feel like there's got to be other movies that had that kind of reaction where like before it came out people were already losing their shit and I for I didn't know that Trump tweeted about it that's kind of hilarious so uh... <laughs> he, tweet, he tweets so much it's hard to you know keep track yeah. of all of his tweets exactly. but also I never heard of the controversy either until after I watched the movie oh, okay um okay. so no you're not alone I'm not sure how I missed it maybe right just, I think the controversy from Joker maybe like overshadowed this movie I honestly I have no idea maybe it just got pulled so quickly from its release that it just uh kind of I don't know it just went under my radar for some reason but yeah it does make fun of both sides of the spectrum so 
if you aren't able to laugh at yourself, then you probably won't like this movie (laughs) because the movie does hold a mirror up to society and says, look at what we have become or what we may become. And honestly, though, we were probably always like that. But now with social media and cameras everywhere, we can just basically watch how awful a lot of people are in real time. So... But like Mindy mentioned earlier, uh, I also had no idea what the movie was about either when I started watching it. I went in totally cold. I was actually kind of expecting it to be more like You're Next or The Strangers Pray at Night, which is an underrated movie in my opinion. Mm. Have you ever seen that, Mindy? I have not, but I did add it to a list of some streaming service because I was sort of curious because Christina Hendricks is in it, right? Yes. Yeah, I love her. And also... The movie kind of scared the crap out of me. But anyways. All right. Good to know. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting off subject, but I know that that movie did not do very well. No. And it has a lot of bad reviews, but I completely disagree. I think it's a, a good watch if you want some tense, uh, very tense moments. And since that's what this podcast is all about, I feel like many people listening might. So thank you for that recommendation, Sharon. Anyway. No problem. Um, (laughs) But yeah, when I turned the movie on, that's kind of what I was expecting. And I was definitely not expecting The Hunt to be about a group of liberal elites who track down and kill red state conservatives for sport. But I'm actually really glad that I didn't know that this movie was a political satire going into it because it was actually kind of a fun surprise. And also, if I knew that this movie was going to be political, I think I might have assumed it was going to be like another purge type movie which are not my favorite so I might not have even watched it Mm, that's a good point uh I too was mostly spoiler free though Sharon did kind of mention politics came into play to the movie when she was telling me about it but then Spencer shushed her right away uh so uh other than that I knew nothing uh and I ended ended up watching this movie twice it kind of had to grow on me because um The first time around, I think I was trying too hard to figure out what was going on. And the second time around, I kind of knew it was coming plot wise. And I was able to sit back and I just had way more fun and laughed a lot harder and like caught things that I hadn't caught the first time around. So, yeah, I uh, am glad that I didn't have any knowledge at all because, yeah, it was a delightful surprise, which we'll talk about more. I kind of wish I rewatched it too just because it cost twenty dollars to rent it we might as well have got her money's worth I mean I I think I did get my money's worth honestly we also rented um the invisible man which I think was the same price and I was feeling a little underwhelmed with that movie especially considering all the the good reviews it's gotten so um I was actually more upset that I spent $20 on that movie than this movie. This movie, I was like, well, that was worth it. Yeah. At first I was like, oh, I'm going to wait till it comes down in price. But then you were so insistent that I'd really like it. I was like, no, just just watch it. (laughs) So, and then I was like, oh, it didn't get a theatrical release at all. So I was like, well, if I went to the movies, I'd probably pay around 20 bucks anyway, if you consider like any snacks or whatever, plus the ticket. So, and after watching it, 
both times I was like, that was money well spent. Um, but I, this is definitely on the to buy list when it comes out mm-hmm. available for purchase for sure. I agree. Surprisingly, a lot of conservative news outlets actually supported the film. The conservative news magazine, the National Review, said, quote, for once, a genre movie was built around an anti-progressive premise. President Trump doesn't have the most finely tuned irony gauge. He seemed unable to understand that the globalists in the film are plainly the bad guys and that the trailer was satirizing rather than saluting the hunters it portrays, end quote. When Lindelof was asked about the comparison between having to shelve the initial release of The Hunt to the controversy surrounding the release of the movie Joker just a short time later, he replied... The more interesting conversation is about how the best movies reflect our times. Bong Joon-ho said that himself at the Oscars. He noted that the best creativity is personal. These are the things that we were thinking about and writing about. More important, we feel the timing is absolutely right to have a conversation about a movie that is reflecting through a very absurdist lens, a divided country where we believe the worst in each other. This movie is a cautionary tale for what happens when this gets carried out to its extreme. This movie does not celebrate violence. It does not celebrate stereotyping or finger wagging or making assumptions about, in air quotes, the other side. It excoriates that behavior. And more importantly, it has fun in the process. Totally agree with that statement. So let's get into a little bit of the plot here. As we briefly mentioned, the movie is about a group of liberal elites headed up by Hilary Swank, who plays Athena, and the group decides to hunt down, quote, deplorables, which is actually the word that they use in the movie to describe it. This is not our words, so no emails. (laughs) Uh, They do this because of an internet conspiracy called Mattergate that is going around stating that there's a secret group of ruthless liberal elites who gather at remote locations to hunt humans for sport. The Mattergate conspiracy started when a text chain between Athena and some other CEOs was leaked to the public. The texts were jokes about slaughtering deplorables at the manor. Thus, Mannergate was born, and Athena is subsequently fired for her text. Athena and the others involved in the group text do what any sane people would do in this situation. (laughs) They decide to get revenge on the people who spread the text and created the conspiracy theories in the first place. They bring Mannergate to life by kidnapping their victims, bring them to a remote location in Croatia, and stage... Ooh. Ooh. You hear that thunder? It's getting spooky up in here. <laughs> and they stage the entire area to look like they are in rural Arkansas, even going so far as to set up a phony convenience store with poisoned food that is run by two of the hunters posing as small-town country folk. All right, so let's talk about some of the people that were hunted. You find out that they were racist, climate change deniers. One was openly homophobic. Uh, Another character was an Alex Jones-type character spewing xenophobic statements and talking about crisis actors. 
The movie also manages to add commentary on everything from gun control and veganism to consuming too many sugary drinks. Basically, every hot button topic you can think of is used in a satirical way, along with lots of blood, guts, and amazing fight scenes. Um, Question for you, Mindy. Yes, ma'am. Did you like that they waited until the movie was maybe, what, two-thirds of the way over to find out why the characters were specifically chosen to be hunted? I think I got to the point in the movie where I was like, well, I'm really, really enjoying this. My only criticism so far is that we don't know why any of these people are being hunted. And then like 10 minutes later, they (laughs) told you. And I was like, ah, okay, good. Now I don't have any criticisms of the movie at least as of now I it didn't bother me um maybe a little bit subconsciously the first time I watched it because like I said I did feel I had that feeling of like you know whenever I watch anything I'm always like I want to figure out what's going on I want to guess the plot twist whatever you mentioned the convenience store and that scene that was like actually my first hearing the dialogue that's when I was like wait a minute this is a, is this satire and is this like it, it became recognizable that there were two different viewpoints that were mm-hmm. for lack of better words warring with each other um so I kind of wasn't I didn't know or had no idea like why exactly that they were being hunted but I could tell that there was definitely a conflict and I had a suspicion but I didn't know more than that or I had no idea how it was going to play out so I actually thought mm-hmm. but I thought it was well I thought they did that well I liked having to be like what the fuck and then finally like weave in that like backstory I, I think they did that really well I, yeah I agree after after they did the reveal but you're right they like slowly kind of revealed a little bit here and there just enough to make you start to put things together but you still had so many questions that you would hope would get answered and they did which is another thing I really liked about the movie yes it it pretty much answered every single question that I had along the way so that was good but yeah I think it was interesting to basically tell the story in reverse instead of you know or I mean, a lot of movies do that, but they they definitely waited longer than I think most movies do to reveal everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll put a pin in that uh, gas station scene because I kind of have more to say about that, but that's sort of related, but we'll we'll get there. So Betty Gilpin's character is Crystal May. She's one of the hunted. She becomes part of the hunt accidentally through a case of mistaken identity when the liberals kidnap the wrong Crystal May. Her character is a war veteran who is great with weapons of all kinds, especially guns. And she's also an amazing fighter. Uh, She's smart, self-sufficient, well-read. And they never say if her character is more to the right or to the left, and she possesses qualities that you would associate with both sides. And essentially, she's the final girl. And the takeaway message that this movie left me with was not to make snap judgments about people. I think that's kind of like one of the main points that they were trying to make in this, because up until the very end, Crystal May is kind of an enigma. Like you, you learn a little bit about her along the way, but it's not until like the very end of the movie that they reveal her 
entire background, I guess. Um, and still she's, she's very much, um, an ambiguous character and they, they did that purposefully. And I, I love that they did that. She was by far my favorite character in the movie. Oh, totally. Absolutely. You know, the movie is letting you know that people are not always how they appear to be and that society does not benefit from people being all black or all white. There's this whole gray area in between the two extremes. And if we just listen to each other a little more and took the time to understand where someone else is coming from, then maybe this world would be a little bit better of a place. I agree totally. Um, But since our reality right now consists of both the left and the right extremes literally resorting to fat jokes and acting like first graders, this movie provided, at least for me, some much needed levity and comedic reprieve, which was so appreciated. Um, I mean, I don't, whatever your view is, Politically, this country right now is totally batshit insane, and sometimes you really just have to laugh um, and try to murder each other. It's very, (laughs) it's both are cathartic, you know. Um, Joking aside, though, we should all try to be more Team Crystal and less Team Athena for sure. Uh, The first time around, I kind of felt like the satire bordered on obnoxious. It was a little too heavy handed at times. Um, There's really not much that's subtle about the movie. No. (laughs) No, it really didn't bother me nearly as much during the rewatch, which makes the comment about Trump's irony gauge from the National Review quote even funnier to me, uh, because what's not overly obvious is that the movie is smarter than it appears. And if viewed solely on the surface level, I can see how conservatives would be angry about this movie. Absolutely. But spoiler alert, just like her mistaken identity, Crystal's neither a staunch conservative nor a far left liberal. That, to me, is where this movie succeeded. Um, I'm going to mm-hmm. go out on a limb and I'm going to put my heart on the line. But my interpretation is that I think, I hope that Crystal, broadly speaking, aligns more with the average American. If I had to put a name to it, I'd say moderate, especially compared to the others, certainly. But she's compassionate, as evidenced in the scene where she's protecting the immigrant mother and the baby on the train car. And she knows better than to take anything at face value. She says, everyone is a liar. Um, On the other hand, I really think Crystal is everything that America and many Americans, no, all Americans right now should aim to be is it a coincidence that she also plays liberty bell and glow (laughs) who is like the symbol of america and all that is good with america that totally totally crossed my mind while watching this as well absolutely but she i'm wondering if uh damon lindelof and um nick hughes actually had that in mind when they wrote her character up oh that would be interesting to look up I don't know but if it if not it still is a pretty funny coincidence because right from the start I of the movie I was like nobody's gonna want to fuck with her you guys know that she wrestles right (laughs) (laughs) um but for real though like Crystal she keeps her cards close pays attention to the details listens more than speaks uh when the immigrant from the train reveals his true self 
uh, and this is literally the character's name if you look in the credits. Shut the fuck up, Gary, who's Ethan Supley's <laughs> name, character's name, is violently reactive. Crystal, on the other hand, listens to both of them, getting a sense of both sides, especially that of her hunters, while revealing nothing. And yes, she kicks a lot of ass, thanks, don't forget, to her military training. Crystal served her country. And look, Americans have been volatile and reactive since November 2016. The current pandemic certainly hasn't helped, and citizens and politicians are just constantly reacting when we should be thinking bigger and considering the long-term effects of our actions. Basically, we should aspire to be like Crystal. Bitch. All right, let's go back to talking about Betty Gilpin's character and how she pays attention to every little detail, which helped save her life numerous fucking times throughout this movie. Um, You mentioned the convenience store earlier, and I fucking loved that scene so much. That's where you kind of start figuring out what's going on. And she knew that the convenience store was fake because she knew how much cigarettes cost in Arkansas, and the phony clerks gave her back the wrong change for a 20, which I thought was brilliant. And then she totally kicked ass after that. And you're like... Oh, like a normal person wouldn't be able to do what she just did. That was so brilliant. There's something special about her. Yeah. Yeah. And as she said to the one character who gave her the change, which is why I said this word a second ago, you fucked up, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) That was fucking hilarious. And then just the whole idea of creating a fake convenience store to trick people if they happen to make it past the first round of gunfire and tiger pits and grenades um, and get to the convenience store, they would obviously be hungry and eat some food and just having like poisoned food that, you know, you realize that after the the woman's like scarfing down these uh, powdered donuts. And I was just like, okay, so like these people are part of you know the people that run the store they're a part of the hunt like holy shit and then the whole um the trip wire in the getaway car crystal was smart enough to discover that there was a fake license plate covering up european plates and so not only did she know that they're not in arkansas now you know they're in europe and it's just like what the fuck is going on right and to think that like these people had the resources to put all of this together which yes i know it's fiction and it's absurdist and and whatever but like that's insane and i thought that kind of blew me away too that like all of those details were thought of the donuts you know the convenience like all of it yeah they could have just been running through the woods like you know, the entire movie just hunting people that way. But that has been done before. That's, you know, there's nothing new or exciting about that. So yeah, they definitely put a lot of thought into how they were going to hunt these people. Which that alone was sort of, I don't want to say admirable, but I was really impressed because that's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Um, I too felt like the the convenience store was one of my favorite parts of the movie. I just want to say right now, I fucking love Amy Madigan. It is so nice to see, too, that she's just as good a shot as her husband. Uh, For those of you who don't know, she's been married to actor Ed Harris, a.k.a. the older version of The Man in Black in Westworld, among many, many other amazing movies and performances for a number of years. 
Um, and the banter between her and her husband while they were cleaning up the dead hunties <laughs> was just fantastic. And it was the first moment where I went, oh, wait, is this funny? Because I didn't know it was funny either. The whole interaction with Ike Barinholtz and and Amy Madigan, like, and then the the cleanup discussion. Oh my god, I laughed so hard. And yeah, oh my god, the part where Amy, I think it was Amy Madigan, she was like, "White people are the worst," and I was like, "Oh, okay, okay. This is a polit. This is a political movie." Yeah. Gotcha. When the when the husband for me it was when the husband was about to kill. I don't remember which one of them, and he goes, "Climate change is real." I would. I did not. <laughs> holy shit what is this movie yeah yeah or after you realize that the food in the store is poisoned and the husband goes to grab a drink from something in the cooler and amy madigan's like no don't drink that and he goes is it poisoned and she's like no but all the sugar in it Uh uh-huh i know fucking great (laughs) so great and then crystal's reveal uh, was awesome like sharon said earlier the whole change bit brilliant and i just loved that every damn time she would come to kill one of the hunters she would throw in a bitch it just it (laughs) it tickled me every time and was somewhat different than jesse pinkman from breaking bad's bitch like it was her own she owned it but yeah when she recognized the change mistake with amy madigan she held the gun to her and said you fucked up bitch oh my god (laughs) tickled me every time Um, I think, though, my favorite kill... Well, okay, I had two favorite kills, I have to say. The first was Emma Roberts, a.k.a. Yoga Pants. That was literally how she's billed in the credits. Uh, Pro tip, be sure to look up the cast on IMDb or watch the credits closely. All the character names are hilarious. After you mentioned that, I went and looked it up, and it is really funny. I didn't notice that. Uh, originally when I watched the film. So funny. Uh, Anyway, the sudden gore and death of yoga pants so early in the film got a chuckle off me right away. I literally said out loud, holy shit, did Emma Roberts just get her head blown off not even 15 minutes in? (laughs) I said the same exact thing because when I saw that she was in it, I was like, oh, she's probably going to be one of the main characters because she's so popular and you're being on uh, American Horror Story and stuff now. I was like, they just fucking killed her off within like the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. And also Justin Hartley, who plays Kevin on This Is Us, I kind of thought he was going to be a bigger person in it too since, you know, he's one of the more well-known actors and also fucking took him out along with a shit ton of other actors I was so confused I looked at Spencer and I was like they just killed off over half the cast of the movie (laughs) within like 10-15 minutes I'm like what the fuck is going on here like how like where is this going to go there's not gonna be a cast left yeah and when we say kill off it is like gory ass kills too that's what I loved the gore Mm -hmm. was over the top and fantastic Um, absolutely my second favorite death was of Liberty who name awesome she was one of the hunters um, and again even the hunters names were hilarious but I digress Uh, 
Crystal is pissed. She just took out, what, like four inexperienced idiots, those hunters, the rich people who have no idea what they're doing, uh, you know, brought down a National Guardsman and is just fucking over it at this point. Especially after Liberty is a smartass to Don when he wants to ask her, like, why this is happening. But instead of a 10-minute lecture on gender equality, Crystal keeps things short, sweet, and to the point. Getting the point across and making me literally laugh snort. What was the line that Crystal says to Liberty? Something like, do you think I should spare your life just because you're a woman? And Liberty's like, no. And Crystal just like shoots her in the head or something. I wrote it down, actually. Dawn says, but she's a woman because Crystal just has her gun just pointed right at Liberty's head. And so Crystal turns to Liberty and goes, do you think you should be afforded mercy because you're a girl? And Liberty goes, no, doesn't even get it out. Bang. (laughs) Done. That's that. Awesome. Yeah, I think um, my favorite kill besides Emma Roberts, because that was so sudden and just made me laugh. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, was the woman who fell in the tiger pit. <laughs> People kept trying to save her, even though like half of her body was missing and she kept getting more and more fucked up. It's like, just save your own life. Like she's obviously not going to make it. She's literally just a head and a torso at this point. And she was like, tomorrow's my birthday or something like that. And the one the one guy's like, we're going to make it. So come on, happy birthday with me. And I'm like, why are you? You're going to hurt her more. Poli-. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was insane. I know. So funny. And of course, the fight scene between Betty Gilpin and Hillary Swank at the end of the movie is probably one of the best female fight scenes that I've seen since Kill Bill. Oh, shit. So let's actually just talk about that scene uh this info comes from a new york times article by bruce fretz and also insider.com mindy found these articles and mindy tell us about some of the fun trivia about this fight scene that you found well betty gilpin even though she's liberty bell she's still trained for seven months for this film specifically for the final fight scene uh, while stunt actors were used, Hillary Swank and Gilpin did 70 to 75% of their own stunts themselves, which is pretty impressive when you see that scene. The stunt doubles, Sarah Irwin for Swank and Caitlin Deschel, I'm going with, apologies if I mispronounced, uh, for Gilpin, were, quote, only put in for stuff that would require them to take some hard hits or crash through something. <laughs> Gilpin said, and I love this, quote, we didn't want to be two tiny women poking forks at each other. We wanted it to be just as wild and terrifying as two men were fighting, unquote. Yeah, earlier, Sharon, you said that this was one of the best female fight scenes since Kill Bill, but I mean, I think you can take the word female out of that altogether. I I mean, would this agree. is one of the best fight scenes I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah. It was a very entertaining, but it's not too often you see two badass women going at oh, it, yeah. which is why I included the female uh, line or female That's in true. There. That's true. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you see fights between two men all the time. It's like, okay, whatever. And yeah, the fact that they wanted to make this like as badass as they they could and not just be hair pulling and you know gouging eyes or whatever i mean they fucking went to town on each other and the fact that both actresses did it 
most of it, like the actual fighting stuff themselves, is uh-huh. is so impressive considering. But they were like balls out. I love it. I I think that's awesome. <laughs> bad bad choice of words. <laughs> figurative balls, <laughs> right? Yeah. Not literal balls. So uh, the director Craig Zobel, uh, and I also apologize if we've been pronouncing that incorrectly. I think it's Zobel. Uh, he worked with a stunt coordinator, or sorry, stunt coordinators for eight weeks to choreograph the brawl. And there's actually a cool video that I watched. It's like a seven or eight minute video, and I think the video also was put out by um, insider.com. I think so, yeah. Check that out um, if you want to see like all the step-by-step process of how they were able to create the scene because it's actually really, really cool. Um, so in the script, Zobel said that Hughes and Lindelof just wrote something like, quote, and what follows is an epic fight scene. <laughs> so with, you know, that little detail... Um, they had to come up with something really, really interesting um, and figure out how they were going to do it. So the sequence was shot over five 12-hour days on a soundstage in New Orleans that was built specifically to be destroyed. Stunt coordinator Hank Amos said that padding and foam was added to certain walls and under vinyl floors that the actors could smash into, obviously, so they didn't hurt themselves too much. Um The scene was shot in chronological order, quote, which was great because we did so much damage to the environment that it wasn't like we could pre-damage an area, go and shoot it there, then clean it up and backtrack. Uh, That was also said by Amos. That's very that was very smart, too. Yeah, it saves them a shit ton of time. I mean, no, they really put a lot of detail into this final scene. Um, I mean, they knew basically it was like a dance like every single place that they would go and everything they had to do to um reinforce uh tables and reinforce the center island because they were like oh well we we can incorporate this into the fight scene but we have to make sure it's sturdy enough for two people to be on top of it beating the shit out of each other so the the final fight scene actually is seven minutes long and they utilize a lot of improvised weapons, such as hanging light fixtures, a food processor blade, vases, jars, a champagne bottle, and also a creme brulee torch. Uh, they also made great use of a double-sided fireplace and this hanging piece of macrame art that I think I read they got from a local artist. <laughs> I hope it was insured. <laughs> it actually didn't really get... Um, mangled or anything in the scene so I'm sure it stayed in one piece but uh I think they bought it because they were like this is something that Athena would have in her house yeah um shout out to the set dressers because that whole kitchen house what we could see of it set was beautifully built but yeah they had so many you know props that they could just play with insider.com has this great article that we've been referring to by Ian Phillips and Kyle Desiderio. Say it for me, Sharon. Desiderio. Thank you. The article's about the set construction and decoration of Athena's home. Uh, Hillary Swank's <laughs> and Hillary Swank's lesson on how to use a prop like a fucking badass. Um, from the insider.com article, quote, 
While big parts of the set, like windows and the fireplace, were most crucial, even the most unexpected objects and set decoration helped advance the fight like an expensive bottle of champagne. Zobel knew he wanted it there for Crystal to grab at the end of the fight scene as a reward, but what he didn't know was how perfect the moment where Athena catches it would turn out to be. Director Craig Zobel says, I can't stop laughing while I'm reading this because it's so awesome. Uh, That's not him. That's me. (laughs) Craig says, when we go to shoot that portion of the scene on the very first take, Hillary kind of dove and did this amazing football catch that I certainly did not anticipate. And I don't think anybody on set anticipated her really going for it that much. A cheer erupted on the set as she caught the champagne. (laughs) And then Hillary Swank says, oh my God, the reaction after is funny. It's like I'm a masochist. Come for more. They certainly give the phrase fight like a girl a whole new fucking meaning. Okay, that's kind of incredible that they didn't even plan for her to catch it. Dude. And also when I saw that scene, I kind of thought, it was either CGI or it was some sort of movie magic yep. because it was such an incredible catch that it did not look possible for her to physically do that without wires or something. That or they had like 50 champagne bottles like in prop storage so that when she didn't catch it, they could just bring out another one. And this was like the 10th take and she finally caught it. It was so perfect too like the way like all of her body language her cat-like movement I mean all of it blew me away and then when I found out that she just did that holy shit man well we've been talking about glow but she played a fighter too in million dollar baby so yeah she's also a badass and I'm sure did a lot of training for that movie and I mean she looks like she's in great shape in this movie so I'm not sure how long she trained for or if she's kept it up since Million Dollar Baby, but I mean... It just occurred to me that they mention in the movie that Athena had been training for seven months. That just occurred to me. Yeah, for The Hunt, they did talk about that. Mm-hmm. That is so funny. Yeah, and I think she's done other other movies with like a high-impact uh, fighting since even since Million Dollar Baby. Um, a k- karate kid. Oh, when- yeah. <laughs> She was the girl in the girl Karate Kid movie. Yeah, I never saw that, but you're right. I don't. What was it called? Yeah, I'm sure it was not called. Was girl it the karate new kid. the new Karate Kid? Was it just called the new Karate Kid? It might have been. <laughs> I don't know. We should probably watch that. But that was before Million Dollar Baby. I, I mean, she's been tr- basically training her whole life. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, so uh, bottom line, final thoughts on this movie. I feel like this is the first movie of late that's balls out openly commenting on our fucked up she keeps talking about balls during this <laughs> female empowerment movie I, okay. I love that phrase though balls out and i think it can apply to women so tits out there you go tits up all right i'll say tits then fine it's the tits don't they say that on glow don't they say like tits out or tits up i don't remember okay fine tits out openly commenting on our fucked up country And it's a somewhat brutal critique at that. Both sides lose, really. Nothing in life is ever strictly black and white. And as happens in real life, both sides are so committed to being right that they lose touch with how insane and ridiculous they've become. 
Uh, I feel like this movie is a great modern allegory. And Sharon and I were texting after I watched it, and I was actually comparing the movie to Dr. Strangelove for that reason, but more of a modern day version. Now I, I kind of get that. When you're like, it's like Dr. Strangelove. I'm like, what movie did you just watch? <laughs> because this is nothing like Dr. Strangelove. But now that you you say that, um, okay, I, I see where you're coming from now. It makes more sense It was just really funny because you're- Than it did through text. <laughs> your text response was like, isn't that about nuclear bombs? Like, what, or something like it was, you were like, what the fuck? So my final thoughts on the movie, I've- Felt like the movie did a really good job at showing the extremes on both sides and making both sides look completely ridiculous. It showed the worst qualities of both the left and the right. Gilpin's character is what makes the movie for me like by far. Yep. And having one character be the sense of reason between the two extremes is what really showcases the absurdity of this movie and lets you know that it's a satire. Uh, so yeah, for people to take it seriously and get offended, I mean, you're you're really missing the point if that happens. And I get that it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but if you get offended by the movie, then maybe you might be falling into one of those black or white categories and you should probably take a closer look at yourself, in my opinion. Sharon, to your point about, um, you know, doing a good job of, of showing the extremes on both sides, I think... I have so many favorite lines from this movie, but one of my favorite lines for sure is at the end, before the fight scene, before they start kicking ass, she, Crystal says something to Athena like, well, how do you know that like what the other side is saying isn't right or something to that effect? And Athena says, because when I say it, it's always right. And that is something mm. that I think is so reflective of a lot of what we hear every day on social media from people on the news like you know I just thought that was that was like this the kicker line for me I was like damn um and I know I'm guilty of that too I mean a lot of us are let's sure. be honest with ourselves I mean a lot of people have really strong convictions I know I do and I just think that we all need to listen to each other a little bit more and try to understand each other a little bit more. I mean, when it comes down to outright racism, homophobia, you know, things like that, that you just know are blatantly wrong. Like there's no arguing that like right. racism is wrong or homophobia is wrong, but other like gun control, for example. Okay. Yeah, there you go. You like, you can make arguments on both sides and try and hear each other. But when someone's like spewing racist thoughts or hate, uh, bigotry, homophobia or whatever, you you can't reason with someone like that. It's just like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> this is an area where things are black or white. Like racism and homophobia are wrong. Uh, loving everyone and accepting everyone is right. You can't really debate that. And even if you don't love and accept everyone, at least understand that we all share this planet and that we are all different people and people are different from you. And that's the way the world works. And maybe you should have some at least some compassion or empathy. And if you don't like it, then you don't have to hang out with those people. But I totally agree that both sides were equally terrible and well represented in that way. Like, I didn't feel like the movie leaned one way or the other, uh, with the exception of I was rooting for Crystal and I kind of felt like the movie was, too. 
that wasn't I, I I thought they did such a great job of keeping it balanced um like Lindelof said in those quotes I it was kind of impressive to me how well they managed to walk that line I I was rooting for I was team crystal all the way especially at the end although I might be a bit biased on that because I love Betty Gilpin and now I'm like holy shit is there anything she can't do she is just amazing and if you've seen glow and you like her you ain't seen nothing yet I feel like she really made this movie for me for sure well yeah so I think that's about it for our discussion on this I mean I'm assuming most people who just listened to this episode have seen the movie. Um, If you want to write us any of your thoughts on the film, uh, please share them with us. We would love to read them. We would, yeah. um, And maybe discuss them in a future episode. If you listened to this episode because you were like, I don't really give a fuck about the hunt. I don't care if you ruin it. I don't want to watch it anyways. Let us know if you decided that maybe you do want to watch it and let us know what you think of it. Yeah, I I agree. I I'm going to say right now I'm guilty of doing that kind of thing or at least I was. I remember when Fight Club first came out um in the theaters, Rosie O'Donnell spoiled the ending of it on her show because she was saying that Fight Club and I'm not going to say spoilers because it's years ago that time has passed. But she basically thought that the movie was was a negative reflection of people who are schizophrenic or have mental illness. And a friend of mine was like, fuck that. You really need to see it. Don't go off of what she says. And then I did see it. And I was like, holy fuck, she's completely wrong. So I would encourage anybody who feels disinclined to see the movie because they think it might be too, you know, political or whatever, put that aside and just give it a watch. Plus it's such a good time. It's so much fun. And they go over the top with the gore, which makes it even more spectacular. Yeah, great, great kills. Um, but I had to do that with you with Joker, Mindy. You were hearing all the negative reviews and I had to convince you to watch it and then you fucking loved it. So I did. You are also guilty of doing that. Well, I think you said you were guilty of doing it. but I admitted that, but I don't You didn't know. learn your lesson from Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I agree that they're turning Joker into a franchise, but that's a whole other conversation altogether. But yes, we're all guilty of doing that kind of thing, and I'm working to improve that myself. And so this movie, I think, would be a good way for anyone else who's looking to not listen to the reviews and make their own decisions. To This is a good jumping off point. Any anything else that you want to say about this before we sign off here? Uh, no, bitch. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> bitch. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. If you want to send us in any of your stories, ghost stories, scary stories, stories about how you scared people, uh, stories about being hunted <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say uh, you have been hunted and survived we'd love to hear about it um also if you have any other movies that you either saw yourself or know that there was controversy about but then when you saw it, it the movie you made your own decision and it changed your mind and you would recommend that please feel free to let us know 
find us on Horse Talk Whore on Instagram. You can find links to all of our streaming locations and also our Patreon. If you're able to be a patron, we would love that. We understand these are tough times. Uh, You can also rate and review us on Apple or any other streaming site that you listen to us on. Um, And yeah, I think that is about it. So as always... Thanks Thanks for getting getting creepy creepy with with us. us. Sharon, do you want a beer? Uh, Oh my God.